Pastor Chris's podcast. All right, so we have been following the story of the very first Christians for uh, several weeks. We've been looking at those stories, and we are in tremendously indebted to their faith and their faithfulness. We might could understand if they had gotten frustrated and had given up because of all of the hardships and uncertainties and difficulties that they faced, but they didn't. Uh, even though they were outnumbered, even though they were subjected to severe persecution, and they didn't know from one day to the next whether everything was going to be peaceful and easy or whether soldiers were going to show up on their doorsteps to arrest them or take their property or to chase them out of town. But through it all, they trusted in God and they followed the guidance of the Holy Spirit and they prayed that Jesus would come back soon and that it would all be set right. So I want to revisit one of the stories from those early Christians. It comes to us from the second chapter of Acts, chapter 2 and verses 14 through 24. This was the Apostle Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. You may be familiar with this story. All the believers were gathered in one place. There were so few of them, they could still all gather in one place and fit in one place. And the Holy Spirit fell upon the gathering with a mighty rush of wind, and it appeared as if flaming tongues of fire were dancing above each of the believers' heads. And they, be, they began to speak in different languages, languages that they had never spoken before. And they were telling the wonderful things that God had done through Jesus Christ. And of course, there were Jews gathered in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost, and they were gathered from all over the world. They came from many different places that spoke many different languages. And here they heard these Christians speaking the good news about Jesus Christ in their own native languages. And some of these people were amazed at what they heard, but others thought that the Christians were drunk and were just babbling. So I want to tell the story from, I want to read the story from Acts chapter 2. In verse 14 it begins, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying that these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing wonderful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. 
But you followed God's prearranged plan. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and murdered him. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again. For death could not keep him in its grip. Now these are the powerful words that Peter preached to the people of Israel on Pentecost. The people who in their time were supposed to be the true worshipers of God, the true worshipers of the one true God, um, he preached this sermon to them. Of all the people in the world, the Israelites were supposed to know God best. Yet, when God sent his one and only son to redeem the world, he led, they led the fight to have him murdered. In our time, we Christians are supposed to be the true worshipers of the one true God. The ones who know God and love him the best. How many times do we nail Jesus to the cross again and again by the sins that we commit, by the things that we do that we know we ought not to do, whether it is lying or stealing or cheating or bickering or gossiping, lusting, drunkenness, adultery, or giving more priority to the things and the people of this world than the one true God who made them all. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, it says, people of Israel. So that would be you and me if we're looking at this analogy. We are the ones who know God. We are the people of Israel. Listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing wonderful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But you followed God's prearranged plan. With the, helpless, with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and murdered him. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again. Death could not keep him in its grips. Have you heard about Jesus, my Lord? Have you heard about my Jesus? He wasn't born as some high and mighty king. No, he was born as a poor person, a poor peasant to a family who couldn't even find him a room to be born in. He had to be born in a stable with a bunch of farm animals. Have you heard the story of my Lord? Have you heard the story of my Jesus? He grew up poor, working with his hands, his family couldn't afford to send him to college, but he grew both in height and in wisdom, and he was loved by God and by all who knew him. His name is Jesus. When he turned 30, he was baptized by his cousin John, and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. God spoke from heaven with a thundering voice of authority, and he said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. His name is Jesus. When he gathered together his disciples and followers, he didn't choose people who were, uh, that had a lot of money. 
He didn't choose people because of their status. He didn't choose people because of the family that they belonged to and how that was an important family in town. He didn't choose people because they were good enough or because they were well-educated or because they had a lot of talent. Instead, he just chose fishermen and tax collectors, zealots and outcasts, ordinary people like me and you. Have you heard about Jesus, my Lord? He spoke to one man who was paralyzed and he told him to get up and walk because he was healed and he said, your sins are forgiven. And the man got up and he walked. Once, Jesus was sailing with his disciples across the Sea of Galilee when a fierce storm came up and huge waves crashed against the boat breaking over the bow until the boat was nearly full of water. And though his disciples were frozen with fear, Jesus calmly commanded the wind and the water to quiet down. And suddenly, the wind stopped and the sea was calm. One time, a wild-eyed man foaming at the mouth, possessed by a legion of demons, came running out of a cemetery and came up to Jesus and fell before my Lord Jesus. And he was screaming, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? For God's sake, don't torture me. And Jesus commanded the demons to come out of that poor wretched man. And he sent those demons into a herd of pigs. And the pigs went running down and ran off the side of a cliff and fell into the sea and were drowned. He made the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the mute to speak and the lame to walk. He fed 5,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. He comforted the afflicted and he afflicted the comfortable. He said, you are not defiled by what you eat. You are defiled by what you say and what you do. On top of the mountain, he was transfigured and his clothing became blazing white and he stood and he talked to Moses and Elijah even though they'd been dead for hundreds of years. And even though Peter and James and John were so blown away by the whole experience that they wanted to build three shrines and stay on the mountain and worship forever, Jesus wouldn't allow it because he knew his place was back down in the valley suffering with the people. He stood in front of Lazarus' tomb, and though the body had already been dead and buried for so long it had begun to smell, he commanded with a shout, Lazarus, come out! And a dead man obeyed and came back to life and came staggering out of the tomb, and they had to unwrap the the, the grave clothes from around his body so that he could go free because he was alive again. Speaking of his own body, Jesus said, destroy this body and I will rebuild it again in three days. Have you heard about my Lord? Have you heard about my Jesus? He looked at me, a young man lost in sin, an adolescent who had come from a broken home, 
A young teenager who wanted to just have sex and get drunk and act stupid all the time. A kid who hated his father. A youth who thought it was cool to vandalize and destroy property. A 16-year-old reckless driver who should have gotten himself or someone else killed. He looked at me and he saved me from the path of destruction down which I was heading. And he snatched me away from the fires of hell over which I was dangling. And he set my feet upon a rock, and he gave me a new life, a new purpose, a new abundance. Have you heard about Jesus, my Lord? He looks at you, a man who's cheating on his wife. He looks at you, a kid who just wants to get high. He looks at you a girl who's having sex with her boyfriend because she doesn't want him to leave her all alone. He looks at you who are full of rage because you've been mistreated because of the color of your skin. He looks at you, the workaholic, who's neglecting your family, wasting your life climbing a corporate ladder while your family is going down the tubes. He looks at you, the teenager, who's so disillusioned with the vanity of this life that you're contemplating going on a shooting spree at your school or maybe even to take your own life. He looks at you. He looks at all of us who are dying of spiritual thirst in a weary land where there is no hope And he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Have you heard what they did to Jesus, my Lord? They arrested him in the middle of the night. They falsely accused him. They paid some worthless people to lie about the things he had said and done. They put him through a fraudulent trial in the middle of of the night, and they convicted him before the sun even came up. And they tricked a mob into trading the life of the sinless, spotless Lamb of God for the life of the murderous Barabbas. And they spat on him, and they mocked him, and they beat him within an inch of his life, And they put a crown of thorns on his head and they nailed his hands and feet to the cross and they hung him there until he died. And then they chunked him in a cave and they rolled a big stone in front of it and they thought that they had seen the last of the Son of God. Oh, but have you heard the good news about Jesus my Lord? Acts chapter 2, verse 24. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again, for death could not keep him in its grips. After three days, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb, and he appeared to many of his followers, both men and women, and he proved to them that he was really alive, and he has proven it to me too. And time and time again, he proves to me that he is alive, even today. I talked with him this morning. He said hello to you, and he wanted you to know that he loves you, and he's here for you, and he can save you, and he can forgive you, and he can give you a new life. 
So let it be clearly known to everyone, and by everyone that means you and me, that God made this Jesus, whom we crucify, to be both Lord and Messiah. And we join with the people in the second chapter of Acts with the same question, brothers and sisters, what should we do? Each of us must turn from our sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Then we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for us and our children and to everyone in every part of the world. Brothers and sisters, I urge you as strongly as I know how, save yourself from this generation that has gone astray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Oh God, we have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us, oh God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of our sins. Wash us clean from our guilt. Purify us of our sin, for we recognize our shameful deeds. They haunt us day and night. Against you and you alone have we sinned. We have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against us is just. For we were born sinners, yes, from the moment we were conceived, but you Desire honesty from the heart so that you can teach us to be wise in our innermost being. Purify us from our sin and we will be clean. Wash us and we will be whiter than snow. Oh, give us back our joy again. You have broken us. Now let us rejoice. Don't keep looking at our sin. Remove the stain of our guilt. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within us. Do not banish us from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us again the joy of your salvation and make us willing to obey you. Then we will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you as well. Forgive us for shedding the blood of your Son, O God, who saves. Then we will joyfully sing your praises. We will sing of your forgiveness. Unseal our lips, O God, that we may praise you. You would not be pleased with anything would we try to do something to earn your forgiveness. If we tried, we would try. But even if we spent our whole lives trying to earn your acceptance, you would not accept us. Because the only sacrifice you want from us is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, O God. You will not turn away. Look at us with favor and help us. Reconstruct your holy dwelling place within our hearts. Then you will be pleased with the things that we do and our whole way of living will be pleasant in your sight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.